Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are happy you decided to listen. I hope this episode blesses you today. Pastor McLaughlin is preaching a message called, I Can't Escape His Goodness and Mercy. We hope you are encouraged. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Say, somebody's following me. I can't escape what's pursuing me. And since I'm just going to surrender to what's chasing after me, the outcome of goodness and mercy is I am going to live in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) Dude, forever. We're going to have revival. We're going to live for God. And then we're going to wait for the trumpet. And the trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to rapture out of here. Woo! Let's do it together. I want to preach this message. I cannot escape His goodness and mercy. I cannot escape His goodness and mercy. Would you help me praise Him? Would you help me praise Him? You can be seated. You say, Brother McLaughlin, why in the world are you bringing a bear hide to the platform? Why in the world did you scare Denver with that bear? This has a lot of memory. In fact, one of, one of my favorite memories in my life is behind this bear. This was, oh my goodness, it had to have been 20 to 25 years ago. A 25, longer than. So probably, probably, probably the memory goes back 26 to 27 years. And I was in my mid-twenties, and Brother Benson was in his mid-fifties, and we were together, we went to New Mexico, and we went on a bear hunt, so like this is not just go somewhere and buy this, this is the real deal, Brother Benson, we went on a hunt together, Brother Benson shot it with a 44 mag, and, uh, and had it had took it to the taxidermy, and now it's in his... If you went to his office, you would see this in his office. We were on the Navajo Reservation. We, this, we went hunting together. Now, there's a little story behind... There's several little stories behind this hunt. The first is that Brother Benson lost his soul on this hunt. So, look, I'm very nostalgic today. You're just going to have to just jump into my family, and we'll have a little bit of fun, and then I'll jump into the preaching. 
So, so we go, and we're going on this bear hunt, and Brother Benson tells me, he said, Carl, I want to, I want there's a couple of things I want to do in my life. I want to kill a bear, and, and I would love to go elk hunting. I want to kill an elk. And so, fortunately, the Lord opened up a door for him to go on this bear hunt, and he said, hey, I want you to go along with me. And so, absolutely, I want to go on this bear hunt with my father-in-law. So we go together, and he had these browning boots, these hunting boots, that were in a box in his garage, and he had not used them in quite some time. And so we get to the Navajo Reservation, and we get there. He puts the browning boots on. They were dry-rotted. The sole fell off. And he said to me, in the middle of the hunt, when we're walking like four and five miles into the mountains down in the valley, up through ravines, through briars, and through, through, through thorns, and we're going back up to find the bear, he said, Carl, I lost my soul on this hunt. <laughs> One more funny story. So, so you got to imagine, he, he kills the bear, we get back to the trailer. We're on the Navajo reservation. So to the Navajo Indians, the bear is very sacred. You don't kill bear. You had to have a tag. So we're on the Navajo reservation. And, and it didn't have the bottom portion of this. We'd skinned it out, and we'd laid it across a rock. And it was drying out. The skin, the hide, was drying out. Well, little did we know that that night the Navajo Indians were coming onto that reservation to do what's called a 3D bow and arrow uh, uh, tournament the next day. And so that night we're in this little, I don't know, it's probably a 20 foot, 24 foot trailer with four grown men. Little travel trailer, no slide outs, it was before slide outs. No slide outs, really small, forgot to put the stabilizer bars down on this trailer. And so Brother Benson and I are sharing a bed. And I'm, I'm, I'm lying in the bed, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm asleep. And all of a sudden, I feel the whole trailer trying to sleep. And all of a sudden... And I can feel Brother Benson moving right next to me. And, and about that time, you remember, you remember the old blinds that were kind of like a metal blind. And you could hear, and they were loud when you opened them. And about that time, I hear, I can hear him moving it. And, and headlight after headlight after headlight after headlight is coming onto the reservation. And he looks out. Well, it was the Navajo res uh, Indians. They were coming in that night to do the 3D hunt the next morning. And... And I look up, and Brother Benson is on all fours, and he's got, the, he's got those blinds opened up, and he said, Carl. I said, what? I said, what, Brother Benson? He said, the Indians are coming. The Indians are coming. <laughs> he, said, he said, they're going to get my bear hide, man. They're going to get my bear hide. So he jumps up. He runs out there, makes sure that, that this is protected so that he gets it back. And, uh, and so, I mean, there were just so many wonderful memories and so, so many little side stories. But, but here's my point today, and here's where I would like to arrive. When you're out in the woods and you're hunting a bear, okay, when this, when this dude is standing up, you don't want to be out in the woods with the bear. And, and then secondly, how in the world do you even track it down? And so we went with this guy, I believe his last name was Havens, and he had these dogs, and these dogs were $5,000 a piece. Well, he had this truck, and on the truck there was a dog box, 
And he had all of his dogs inside the dog box, but there were these two dogs that sat on top of the dog box, and they were called striker dogs. They're called striker dogs, and the reason that they're called striker dogs is because they can pick up a scent from miles and miles away. And so they put these striker dogs on top of the dog box. And we're driving through the Navajo Reservation and, and to just watch those dogs. I mean, literally to watch those dogs. They, they would totally ignore you once you put them on top, top of the uh, dog box. And they would stretch their neck out. I mean, just stretch their neck out as far as they could. And that nose was pointed up in the air. And you could see the nostrils moving back and forth, moving back and forth. And they were, they were picking up. They just wanted one strike. They just wanted one scent, one scent. And so I asked him, I said, I said, what are these dogs doing? He said, these are my striker dogs. He said, if there are any bear around here within five to six miles, these striker dogs will pick up that scent. I turn them loose, and then they go in circles, and they'll start in a small circle, and they'll just keep making a larger circle and a larger circle and a larger circle until they hit that trail of that bear. That bear's been within 24 hours, if that bear has been anywhere in the vicinity, that those striker dogs will pick it up. Once they get it, they're off on that trail. He opens up the dog box, and the rest of the dogs are going after the bear. That bear. Poor bear. This bear. And so we had hunted. We'd hunted one day, nothing. Hunted the, we were out the next day. And all of a sudden, those striker dogs, when I tell you they started barking and they started sounding off, those striker dogs sounded off and the rest of them start barking. It's like, okay, game on. We've got something on the trail. And, and it was almost like there was something inside the heart of those striker dogs that said, if you'll just turn me loose, I will not stop until I find what I'm looking for. And so he, he undoes them. And, and just, they jump off of that truck and they start going in a circle with that nose to the ground. I mean, nose to the ground. Think you can do that? Nose to the ground. No, you think you can do that? I mean, they're just going in circles, going in circles, going in circles, going in circles. And they just get wider and wider and wider and wider. And man, we're just watching with anticipation, watching with anticipation, waiting for that, those striker dogs to get on that scent and get on that trail. All of a the sudden, they picked up the scent of this bear. And when I tell you they took off, we could not see them. They took off so fast, and you could hear them. And then they let the other dogs go. They let the other dogs go, and, and those dogs took off. And, I mean, to the point where they were so fast, you couldn't see them anywhere. You could hear them, and when they would bark, it was absolutely incredible. Because when they would bark, there was an echo that would go through the forest. And, and we were there, lost soul and all. We're walking through, walking through, walking through. I mean, we are going up and down. And about that time, this gentleman, Brother Havens, he says, Listen, listen, they've got one treed. I said, how in the world do you know that? We can't even see the dogs. He said, listen to the bark. Listen to the bark. He said, up to this point, the bark was all over the woods. The, all of the barks from every dog's coming from one spot, one location. I said, okay. He said, that means that they've got one treed, and they're at the bottom of the base of that tree, and, they're, and they're, they're just waiting for us to show up. And you could hear those dogs in one spot, one spot, 
and they got on for it was five to six miles away from where we were at. But when they got on that, when they got on that trail and they got that scent, there was something inside the heart. I mean, God designed it that way, okay? God designed to put something in that animal that says, I will not quit until I find that bear. And sure enough, we walked up and down, up and down, up and down. We get there, and there is that bear up in the tree. And so, so we're there, we're standing at the base of that tree. Brother Benson takes that 44, he shoots, and the bear literally, okay, so here's the deal. You're out in the woods. Eli, you're out in the woods. This dude is mean. The bullet didn't kill him. And he comes crashing down out of that tree. You can, it was like a monster. He's like, Bruh! he's coming down. Branches are smashing and crashing. And he hits the ground and he takes off running. Well, because the dogs had the scent in them, they take off running after the bear. The owner of the dogs say, get my dogs, get my dogs, get my dogs. So what do myself and, and a couple other preachers do? We take off running after the dogs. We are running through the, through the woods to get these dogs. And there's this huge brushy area. The bear, they're chasing the bear. The bear goes off. Well, behind the bushes is about a 30-foot drop-off. We didn't see it. We couldn't see it. The bear goes down. The dogs run. And again, because they've got the scent of that bear, it doesn't matter what they have to run through literally saw those dogs run through the briars and you could hear them uh, a guy by the name of Brett Brett and I were so close to the edge we're there we could literally hear the dogs barking and as they were hitting the rocks going down burr, 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 and then the bear took off running those dogs kept on running right after the bear why because when they get the scent in their nose they're going to keep on going. They'll chase it to the death. So what we had to do is drive the truck all the way around, back down into the ravine. There was that bear resting. I say resting. It was leaning against a rock. And those dogs would run up. They'd run up and grab it, grab it. <laughs> and then back off. And that bear would swipe at it and run back, grab it. Why is that? Because once they get that scent, they're not going to stop chasing what they're after. They're not going to. So, long story short, how did that end up in Brother Benson's office? Two striker dogs. We're going to call them goodness and mercy. When goodness and mercy picked up a scent, when goodness and mercy would not stop chasing, I'm just going to tell somebody here right now, I don't know how far you've gone. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if you're like the prodigal son and you're in a pig's pen today. But I'm telling you, the grace and mercy, the goodness and mercy of God is on a path. The grace and mercy, His goodness and His faithfulness is coming after somebody today. I'm just telling you right now, you may be on the edge of hell, but goodness and mercy are following you. 
You say, I feel like somebody's chasing after me. Yeah, someone is chasing after you. It's goodness and mercy. And the only reason, Tommy, Smiley, and Ashley, you're in the house of God today is because goodness and mercy said, I'm not going to quit chasing them. I don't care how far they go. I'm going to keep on going until I bring them back to the house of God. The only reason, Claudia, you're here today is because goodness and mercy. The only reason, Jacob Haramilio, you're here today, married to a beautiful wife, Darian, is because somewhere on the streets of California, goodness and mercy said, I'll just keep on making my rounds until I get a hold of Jacob. But when I get a hold of Jacob, I'm going to... I wish somebody would help me preach in this place right now. Dylan and Crystal, the only reason you're here right now is because heaven, heaven sent some angels called goodness and mercy. And goodness and mercy said, I'm after Dylan. I'm after Dylan and I'm not going to let him go to hell. I'm not going to let him be lost. I will find him. I'll go down the valley. I'll come back up the mountain. I'll go through the thorns. I'll go through the briars. But I'm going to find Dylan. And when I get Dylan, I'm after Crystal too. She's going to get the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody would clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. I know some of you are going through a valley. Come on, JC. Goodness and mercy was after you when everybody else quit on you. Goodness and mercy said, I'm going after JC. I'm going in the low place, but I'm not going to give up on him. God, I wish somebody would help me preach in this house right now. Some of you that were strung out on drugs. Some of you that were drinking a fifth of liquor every day. Some of you that were so strung out, but goodness and mercy said, I'm going to follow them all the days of their life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, no matter where I go. Mariah, you know good and well, mercy, goodness and mercy followed you, honey. And that's why you're here today. God, I wish I could have some help in this house. Somebody, goodness and mercy is after you today. You've got to escape. You've got to run if you want to run. But God's goodness and mercy will follow you and seize your life. The musicians want to come. I'll preach a little bit. Doesn't mean I'm ending right now. But I won't be long. I'll help you out, man. He said, surely goodness and mercy. Who was writing? Psalm 23. Who's the author? David. David was a shepherd. He's writing about sheep. He said, goodness and mercy will follow me. What's he doing? He's traversing through different terrain. He's taking them up hills, down in the valley. It was David that said, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? How come you became so quiet? Why art thou, you know what a cast sheep is? This is one of the reasons a cast sheep needed goodness and mercy. Like somebody said, a shepherd named his dogs goodness and mercy because they just followed the sheep. Keep them going in the right direction. Keep them going. A cast sheep, they were, they were long-haired sheep that when they would walk through mud, 
They would pick up mud. They would pick up debris. They became heavier during this time than they normally were. They weren't used to carrying that much weight. And they became extremely heavy. They would pick up thorns. They would pick up debris in the mud. They would pick up parasites in the mud. And they would go through the fields. And these cast sheep were sheep that were so heavy they were tired of the journey. They were so heavy they didn't feel like they could just take one more step. And they were exhausted. Normally, on a normal day, they could travel distances. But on this day, because they were so weighted down by cares of the world and things, they were cast sheep. But they found they would look for a depression in the ground, a little depression in the ground. And they would find that depression, thinking that they were hiding from the enemy. And they would go into that depressed place and they would lay down or they were cast. Problem is that, that there was disequilibrium that set in. Normally, they could orient themselves to the terrain. But when they were weighted down by these issues, there was disequilibrium that would occur and they would flip over on their back. Well, if you've ever watched a video of a cast sheep, once they get on their back and they're flat on their back, they'll sit there and they will paw in the air until they die. They'll, they'll paw until they die. These were cast sheep. And the only way, one of two ways that they would get back on their feet was if the shepherd found them or if goodness and mercy found them. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I just feel like God's goodness and God's mercy is going into somebody's depression right now. You're not going to backslide in that place. You're not going to dry up in that place. You're not going to quit in that place. Uh, you're not going to lose your mind in that place. Uh, you're not going to have a nervous breakdown in that place. Uh, God is going to pick you up. I said God is coming into that depression. God is coming into that low place. And God is the one that will pick you up and get you back on your feet. Somebody help me preach right now. What he was saying so the shepherd knew and when the shepherd became the anointed king dude you're doing awesome you're doing awesome I was so excited to see you up here this shepherd became a king he knew goodness and mercy when he became a king he said I feel like taking on the nature of goodness and mercy and he walks into all of all the houses he could walk into, he walks into Saul's house, his enemy, his arch enemy, where there were blood battles going on, where Saul was chasing him through the mountains, going into caves trying to kill him. He cuts the corner of his girl. He said, look, I, I could have killed you, Saul. I mean, there was blood with this relationship. Normally, what kings would do is look at the, the lineage of the preceding kings and kill their family off. So they had nothing to do with that any longer. But David, because he was a shepherd before he was a king, walks into Saul's house and he said, he said in 2 Samuel chapter 9, he said, is there anyone in Saul's house left that I can show kindness to? I want you to think with me now. 
this mercy, kindness. It's one Hebrew word. It's hesed. H-A-S-E-D. It's so much more than our word mercy. In fact, when you look at this word, it was mentioned over 250 times in the Old Testament. It means faithfulness. It means loving kindness. It means loyal love. It means steadfast love. It means mercy. It means kindness. But above and beyond our English word, where it's more of an emotion and a feeling, it meant that it, was, it caused one to go into action toward the person that had a need in their life. So when he said, goodness and mercy are going to follow me, notice the word follow. It's an action word that says, uh, it's more than what I feel in heaven right now. I'm coming to earth. I'm coming to earth so that I can find somebody that needs me. So that I can find somebody in the low place. So I can find somebody in that depressed place. And I want to know, is there anybody in Saul's house? Mentioned over 250 times. It means abounding love, unfailing love, steadfast love, and loyal love. It expresses the meaning of mercy. And that's why in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to what? The third and fourth generation. But showing mercy, hesed, Showing mercy to thousands of generations of those that love me. All it takes is for one saint of God to fall in love with him. And you break the generational curses of three and four generations back. Because somewhere goodness and mercy got on your trail. Somewhere goodness and mercy said, I'm on your trail and I'm not going to stop. You run from me if you want to run. But I'm going to run wherever you are. I'm after you, and I will not quit until I find you. And when I find you, when I find you, I'm going to find you with my abounding love. I'm going to find you with my loyal love. I'm going to find you with my steadfast love. I'm going to find you with my kindness. So David, shepherd who's become king, says, Is there anybody in Saul's house that I can show some chesed to? Not just my leftover love, but my abounding love. I just want somebody in Saul's house. And there was Ziba, and Ziba said, at your service, king. And he said, okay, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your field. I'm going to bless your harvest. He said, but is there anybody else? Is there anyone else? He said, well, there's this old boy out in Lodabar. His name is Mephibosheth. But... King, you don't want him. He's lame. He can't even walk. Not only does he have physical defects, not only is he inferior, not only has he been cast aside, they relegated him to a little, little town, a little country town called Lodabar. Debar, the term Debar means word or nothing. 
The prefix low means no. In other words, low debar was a place with no word that left you in nothing. Because anywhere, anytime in a church or anywhere else there's no word, you become nothing. But that's also why the Bible said where the word of a king is, there's power. And the king stepped in where there was no word and gave a word. And Mephibosheth, the lame man, would find himself from Podunk to the palace because goodness and mercy started searching for him. Goodness and mercy said, I'm on a trail and I'm not going to give up. I'm going down into low Depar. I'm going down to nothing town. I'm going down to where nothing and nobody lives. But if I can get nobody and bring them to a place, I can turn them into somebody because goodness and mercy follows me. He is Lodabar. One, one commentary said it this way. It was Podunk. He said, today we would say they live in the middle of nowhere. I said, where's that joker from? Oh, man, he lives in the middle of nowhere. God can do a lot in the middle of nowhere. God can visit Lodabar, nothingness town where nothing happens in your life. You look around the church and say it's happening for everybody else, but nothing's happening for me. I have a feeling goodness and mercy's on your trail. Goodness and mercy's following you. You've come to this place wondering, does God even know where I'm at? Does he even know what I'm going through? Does he know the depression that I've been facing? Does he know the fear and the anxiety that I've been battling? Does he know I'm about to lose my mind? And I've just come to tell you today, God knows where you are. And he's not afraid of your low debar. He's not afraid of that place where there's been no word. But you stepped into the king's house today. I said somebody stepped into the king's house today. And there's a word of a king that's walked into this place. And God is going to take you from nothing and nowhere. And he's going to put you in a palace. Come on, somebody. you got to make up your mind. I'm going to go from the pit to the palace. Because goodness and mercy. He said, where is he? Where is he? He said, oh, king, you're going to have to slow your pace up a little bit. He can't walk as fast as you walk. Where is he? Oh, king, you might get embarrassed of him when you see him. He doesn't look like everybody else looks. Where is he? Oh, king, he, he was dropped when he was a baby. And he's never gotten beyond being dropped by people. He just feels victimized and feels like everybody drops him. He's afraid to trust anybody because everybody he's ever trusted just dropped him. And he just relegated to Lodibar. We just, we just stuck him off in Lodibar somewhere. You'd be all right, lame boy. You'd be all right, cripple. Just stay there. The king said, uh-uh. That's not the way I'm looking at it. I've got some goodness and I've got some mercy. And I've got the word of a king. And where the word of a king is, there's power. And if he can ever get into my word... If my word can ever get into him, I'm going to take him from podunk to a palace. I'll take him from nothing and I'll make something out of his life. Does this resonate with anybody in this house right now? We were all nothing. We all lived in loaded bar. But God, who is rich in mercy, walked into our low place. He had no idea. He's back there. See, 
I said, look at him walk. He'll never be able to ra race. He'll never know what it's like to jump in a relay race. He'll never know what it's like when all the other kids are running out there. When he looks at the deer running through the field and he says, why can't I run like a deer? Why can't? And he just, he just has to look down at his lane and say, somebody dropped me. Somebody hurt me. Somebody wounded me. But the king said in the middle of your lameness, God never stopped thinking about him. When he was making up excuses, God said, oh no, I'm coming to Lodabar. I'm just telling you, he's the God of Lodabar. He's the God of those places where you think you would never overcome. I'm telling you, the king has goodness and mercy and it's following you right now. And that goodness and that mercy will pick you up where you are. He said, he said, get the table ready. Get the table ready. The sheet just white linens. China. Man. You got Zeba. You got Joab. You got Ahithophel. You got David's mighty men. There's one, one chair reserved. And all of a sudden, they hear something coming down the hallway. And it was one step, not two. One step and a drag. One step. And a, you didn't even have to be able to see to, to know something different is coming down the king's hallway. But when that one step and shuffle, because he was dropped, from a baby comes down the king's hallway makes his way to the table and gets underneath the table nobody can see the defects under the table because we're all equal under the table I said there are no big eyes and little U's. There's no white, black, brown, yellow, red. When you get in the king's house, God, I wish I had some help. When you get in the king's house and you get under the king's table, he doesn't see the pain. He doesn't see the defect. He doesn't see the lameness. He just sees my goodness and mercy all over you. Come on, Calvary. It's time to get under the table. I said, Brother McLaughlin, I don't want to go to that altar. I feel like everybody will stare at me. What defect? What lameness? What past wounding? What victimization? What being dropped? I've got the presence of the king over me. And I'm in the king's house. And it was because goodness and mercy followed me and brought me to the king's house where no one sees my defects, but everybody sees the goodness and mercy of God. The altar is open right now for anybody that wants to make their way to this house. Anybody that wants to get to this altar, bring your pain, bring your past, bring the doubting, bring the dropping, whatever it may be, please get here. Come on, come on, come on. There's none of us perfect in this house. We've all been dropped. For those of you that don't want to come, I get it, I get it. 
near perfect. But for those up here right now, we're not perfect. For those up here right now saying, God, I need you. I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. The musicians and the praise singers are about to begin, but I want you to throw your hands high. The Holy Ghost is going to come into this place. And contained within the power of the Holy Ghost is the goodness and mercy of God. And God is going to pour out His goodness and mercy. He knows how to go to Lodipar. He knows how to go to the pig's pen and bring prodigal out. So wherever you are and whatever you're going through, God knows where you are. He's pulling you out of your depression right now. Such an amazing word we heard from Pastor McLaughlin. Hey, if you want to stay connected with the church and podcast, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at CalvaryUlis or visit our website at CalvaryUlis.org. We would love to be connected with you. Thank you so much again for tuning in to this week's episode, and I hope that you'll join us again for the Upper Room Podcast.